to another episode of Knife Making Down Under podcast, episode 15, I believe. Uh, we've got our usual crew. What? What's coming? Oh, I don't know. I never remember. Um, we've got our usual crew here, Mert from Tansu Knives, Corin from Gamaco and Artisan Supplies, um, and we are champing at the bit to get through another episode for you guys out there. Um, we, <laughs> we've got, we're going through a Skype video call. Normally we have a video thing here. Mert has a real cheeky grin on his face. And Corrin's looking a little bit upset because we just went through another significant period of time uh, talking to each other because we didn't have the recording going. So, fuck. It's amateur hour, guys. Really. We... Um, you know, we just want to bring you a little bit of entertainment. We're, no, we're not polished around the edges. We'll keep reminding you of that. But, you know, we'll try and bring you the best we can. Um, you're six degrees, bro. <laughs> 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 That's usually we're taking the piss out of Mert because he can't get his microphone working. He was the first cab off the rank today, sitting there with his big smiles on his face, fucking like a you know, cat that got the cream. And then Corrin's having fucking problems with his internet. And uh, I'm just sort of, you know, doing the usual. My PC wouldn't start up, wouldn't boot up for four or five times. So I was just like, fuck, we're cursed. We are fucking cursed. But here we are. We're going. Like, we're back. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, remember to like, uh, subscribe, comment, all that shit, so that we, we get a little bit more exposure out there on the platforms. Um, that's, that's what we need to keep going, I guess. Um, we were having a little bit of a chat about what we're getting up to and how we're going and uh, things that are going on. Uh, Corin, you said you were down in Melbourne for a bit of work and uh, want to fill us in on your uh, your flight back in the old tin tube. Yeah, yeah. Look, I hate flying. Uh, I hate the diseases and the shit. I just, I hate everything to do with it. So, yeah, yesterday I had to fly down to, um, on Monday I flew down to Melbourne and then flew back again yesterday, and uh, on the flight down, it was a uh, it was a real rough one. It was like gusting crosswinds, and uh, plane went wingtip to wingtip down, sort of towards the ground, and uh, it was just sketchy as fuck. So the plane, the, the the pilot was just a little bit gentle, you know. When sometimes they they're coming down and it's a bad bad weather, they just slam it into the ground and hold it there hard. This guy was just feathering it. We were bouncing all over the place. I thought we were going to run out of runway. I was worried about the wings hitting the ground. The guy next to me was giving me a cuddle and holding my hand, and it was all a little bit friendly. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we, uh, we pushed through. And um, a few awkward looks. But, yeah, yeah, we got, we got landed on the way back up, of course. We had to fly up through the, through the um, bushfire smoke, and there was a queue of planes, so we had to do circle work outside of Goulburn. The plane did about 45 minutes worth of loops before we uh, headed into Sydney and landed. And, uh, of course, flew over the bushfires and down into the smoke. I'll tell you what, the smoke in Sydney now is worse than L.A. Yeah, I got a photo through from my sister. Um, She works in the city and took a photo out a window and you couldn't even see the fucking harbour. You couldn't see the harbour at all. And I was like, fuck, that's that's actually pretty bad. Yeah, it's... it's, Um, it's it's terrible. So the the big fires I, near me are burning up uh, on the other side of Warragamba Dam. So if we have a a wind change, they'll come come across the dam. And if that happens, then it'll it'll hit all the towns 
basically along the line where we're, where we are. So we'll see how we go. Yeah, that's no good. I was saying before before when we were talking but not recording. Um, I was saying I went out for a drive out to Captain's Flat, which is uh, just over the ranges from from Canberra, um, and there's a massive fire that's been going on out there, and the wind shifted in a good direction because it's blowing the fire back to what's already burnt. Um, but that thing's still frigging going, and it, it just brought to light how close it actually was. I was only like a, a 40 minute drive from home, and this thing was like in your face. There was one massive plume uh, where obviously the fire was still sort of burning pretty fucking solidly. Um, but I've got to say, 45 minutes circling over Goulburn and stuff in turbulent weather, that I get travel sick. So I reckon the poor bastard next to me wouldn't have been hugging me. He would have been fucking pushing my face towards the window so that I spewed over it, not over him. Uh, nothing worse than that fucking horrible turbulence in the plane. Especially if they're not fucking dishing out fucking drugs to keep you calm. Came back on the happy hour flight, so we got free beer. So that was all right. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, except when you're trying to crack your tinny and it's fucking spilling away <laughs> to your face and stuff. Reminds me of that flying high move. Oh, I've got a drinking problem and fucking... <laughs> I started getting really nervous flying, man. Like, since I had kids, I was, like, very calm on the flights. But now I'm getting, like, my palms are getting sweaty. I'm, like, I'm tensing up and all that, especially the landing. And if, you, if you've if gone through a few rough landings and you're starting to be more cautious and more stressed, now I'm, I'm dreading the long flights, especially the, the U.S. ones. Because it's such a long flight and 15, 16 yeah. hours in the air. And you, I, you, I, um, you start to tense up and get all sweaty before you even go through fucking security, man. Yeah, bro. Like, because I, I clean shave. Like, I leave the house. I clean shave. By the time I go on the plane, I start looking dodgy. And also, by the time I go to the US, I, my beard, I got a full-on fucking beard. I look like an ISIS terrorist. And no wonder <laughs> I go through the security checks over and over. I used to go through... I used to travel a bit for work. And no shit, I'd be going through in a fucking suit and tie, clean shaven, fresh haircut, and those bastards would fucking pull me aside every fucking time. I think I've only made it through two flights where I've gone through security where they haven't pulled me aside for the bomb swap. I'm like, fuck, they must be thinking that I'm the guy that doesn't have it. They just want the quick tick for fucking, all right, get the stats through. There's another one that's fucking gone. Whereas with you, yeah, fuck, you're a, you're a dodgy looking fucker. They'd be fucking all over you. I'm surprised they don't bring the fucking like four or five sniffer dogs out to give you a go over. It took me four extra sec- extra sorry random security checks in my last flight. I got the I'm just like straight walking to them anymore. I'm not even like thinking are they gonna put me? I'm like let's just let's just be done with it, man. Come on. This and they're like, oh, we didn't put it this time, sir. Like, are you going to? <laughs> <laughs> I wear I wear knife shirts every time I go through any customs or any security check. I make sure I wear a knife shirt. So, then that normally means that my wife gets checked. They don't they don't worry about me, but they go through her stuff. So I don't know why that is. That's funny. <sighs> I never travel with my wife. <laughs> Not for knife making stuff anyway. <laughs> so like, there you go. I wear knife but, shirts. I'm pretty wear- sure. She- Every, all I have yeah, is knife everywhere. shirts. I don't have anything else. So yeah. It's knife shirts or nothing. <laughs> if you do something long enough, you'll know like your wardrobe will be full of it. 
It used to be my basketball t-shirts and all that, or then it became chef clothes. Now I'm looking at knife this, like friends knife shirt, symposium, knife show, knife show. Yeah. And they've all got holes down on the lower left-hand side from where we do the mandatory blade wipe. Yeah. When, we, when yes. we've done them. <laughs> I was watching the clip from Nick Wheeler last night where he was doing the, um, the false edge on his bowie. He's talking about his hand sanding techniques. And I, was just, I couldn't help but look at the fact that on his shirt in the clip, he had the fucking mandatory knife maker fucking holes on there. There's the things you pick up. It's like, yeah, I should be paying attention to what Nick Wheeler's saying because he's a very informative fella. But I was just having a laugh about how his fucking shirt had the exact same hole patterns that all of us would probably have. You say the mandatory hole pattern. It's more like the ones... The grinder holes like the sparks from the belly from my. <laughs> I get that one. My belly looks like a mesh. All right. <laughs> quick question. Quick question. How many times have you nearly set yourself on fire, oh, on by burning your t-shirt? Too many to count. I've got plenty of shirts uh, that have been thrown out uh, because of that hole. And and you you know you take the mask off or whatever, and you look down and you have to do these ones to pat yeah. your belly out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hang on, hang on. The guys cannot see, but look at the T-shirt on there. Look, yeah. <laughs> Mert's just uh, that's showing us his holes. Mate, that's that's clean. Did you just get that from the dry cleaners? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hope I hope that was your finger poking through that hole. <laughs> yeah, that was my finger poking through. It's <laughs> when I put my nice shirts on, I look like homeless. And sometimes <laughs> door rings, and I, I open it, and people look at me like, "What are you doing in this house? <laughs> you deal in here?" <laughs> I came down from the, the doorbell at my place rings up to my workshop and I came down the other day covered in fucking arsehole to breakfast in crap. <laughs> the fucking, the postie took a step back from the door, like honestly, and he's like, uh, what's your surname? <laughs> so he, I told him flattery and he's like, oh, okay, I need you to sign for this. And then so I've grabbed the parcel, my hands were fucking, I've been hand sanding and stuff, so they were just coated in shit. I probably had black lines where I'd pick my nose or something as well. Yeah, and then I go. I like, so I forget and go down to my local shopping centre. I think they, I think they're less uh, thinking less about me being a homeless bum and starting to understand that I might just actually be making stuff a lot um, and getting dirty doing it. And there was a meme that... from The Simpsons. It shows like a guy, and he says, "I'm not a homeless. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a world famous blacksmith." Yeah, <laughs> and this guy's like in a blacksmith show, like it's just grinding marks and all that shit. We go to we go to go places, and I pick out a shirt, and Ray looks at me, and goes, "Are you wearing that?" And I go, "Yeah." She's like, "Oh," and I go, "What are you wearing?" She goes, "What I've got on," and then I take a look at Rose. She's got like nice clothing on, and I think, "Oh fuck, I better get changed." So. I you know, go and pick out a non-knife shirt to get we've, a dinner. We've got a, we've got a guest just walked in here. Jimmy, just a minute. Just just a minute. It's it's my turn, Mert. This is all happening what normally happens to you. How are you, Jimmy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Good on you, brother. See you, mate. Take care. That's Jimmy the blacksmith. And by the way, he looks homeless. Speaking of homeless blacksmiths. He's covered in shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, fuck Jimmy's a top bloke. Oh mate. I, I, and my my wife is the shit with me because bloke. I take a shower and you can see like the black residue. You can you can clean that with the fucking magnet or something. It looks like a just black residue in the shower. That's why that's another thing I yeah. talked the missus into the shower and toilet and the shed because whilst that was an extra expense, 
it meant I didn't leave black fingerprints on the toilet and, and that black shit in the shower. And also, when you wash and the, you get all the metal dust out of your hair and it sits around the plug and goes rusty, you end up with little rust spots. Yes, yeah. yeah, well, all of that can stay in the shed. I don't use it, but, you know, it's there. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that when we renovate our bathroom next, that we're going to have black tiles on the shower, black fucking floor tiles, black paint on the walls. And black towels. <laughs> We're not going to have anything that's light coloured or anything because I do the same yeah. thing. We went with a, like a natural sort of stone looking tile for exactly that reason. It's like a brown stone. You've seen it, Kev, haven't you? It's good yeah, for covering. Yeah, it's, it's, good. it's already rust marks, <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah. Uh, the fucking, like I said, the trials and tribulations of being a fucking knife maker. That's the small things that we all forget about. Like when my wife goes, uh, talks to me about, um, having to wash the toilet, like the ensuite floor and stuff, and she because my footprints when I go for a piss because <laughs> I forget to take my shoes off, so I've got like black footprints in the same spot. Uh, sorry, darling. <laughs> so yes, now I'm sort of getting more conditioned to yeah, shoes shoes off at the fucking door and or I normally do, but you just forget every now and then. Yeah, Especially or you're just fucking lazy, or you're busting. I don't, I don't have the yeah, I don't have the luxury of a toilet up in the workshop. Um, in hindsight, I fucking should have put something up there, but you get that. Mm. Uh, so, uh, that, that's fucking funny, actually. Um, we, before, like I said, when we were just having, a, obviously, a chat amongst ourselves before we pressed the REC button, um, Corin was giving us a bit of a rundown on uh, Knife Camp, which is a guild event out, that's held down at um, Cuppa Come Along, um, and that was last Thursday to part of Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah, Thursday to Saturday. It was actually Thursday night through Saturday, full day. Oh, so, all right, yeah. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a knife, well, it's exactly what it says. It's a knife camp. You you camp down at Thawa Valley Forge, um, and uh, there's a bunch of things that we do. So the first thing on the Thursday night is like an introductory sort of thing where everyone sits around, introduce each other, and we have a bit of a tool talk. So people bring a bring a tool from their workshop, and um, you can have a look at what they're using and what they use it for and maybe learn some little tricks and um, things. So that was pretty cool. We um, anything, uh, anything that was like kind of weird or funky that people are using or was there just the standard? Oh, look, uh, what, what happens at Knife Camp stays at Knife Camp. No, truthfully, <laughs> truthfully this uh, one time at I, Knife Camp. <laughs> I, I think I'd knocked back because I went down there early fishing. As you know, yeah, and yeah, I, I, know, yeah. I knocked back. Me and Jackson were out in the sun fishing all day, and all we had to drink was, um, uh, well, alcohol. And by the time that thing came came along, I was, I was baked. So, um, yeah, there was there was some good stuff, I'm sure. Uh, uh, all I remember was um, the little center finder that um, Christian Matheson lent me, so that I'd have something to talk about, and. Um, <laughs> The <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah, like all the usual things, verniers and stuff. Oh, um, Bruce Barnett's one was really cool, which was just al- aluminium tape. You know, we all use masking tape, but you know, yeah. he's using um, like aluminium tape that they use in the electronics industry and stuff for shielding and things like that. It's like it literally is aluminium with sticky tape on it, and you can buff it for like ten minutes before it comes off. So if you're buffing a transition or a guard, for example. 
or you don't want to buff a guard, you're buffing something else, you can put this aluminium tape around it, buff the shit out of it, and protect uh-huh. the stuff that... You know, I use masking tape or sometimes electrical tape, but masking yeah, tape's yeah. pretty good. Uh, but this stuff, off. Yeah, but this stuff's fucking the gun. Really, it was just really good. So that was that was a pretty good one. Um, How thick is it? I'll write that down. Oh, fuck. How like, thick is it? I don't know, a bit thicker yeah. than alfoil, like half a mil. Oh shit! Yeah, it's thick. Like you could buff it. Literally, you said you could buff it for ten minutes and not have a problem. And I believe it. It's it's it folds and stays folded. You know, it's like thin sheet metal. Yeah, yeah. that's fucking cool. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. Um, I was heaps of other stuff as well, but like I said, it was it was an intense evening. And um, there we go. <laughs> I know I'm supposed to. There was like sixteen things showing, so I'm sure I could do better if I tried harder but anyway the next day uh we had five sessions um presented by different makers so we had nick did um machining milling and machining so basically how to use a mill properly because most of us i mean who do, do you guys have mills do you no i don't I'm, yeah do? i've got a, a an old old sort of rickety mill um that you know I just do fucking guards for. That's I don't do we, anything else with it. All we pretty much use them for. So this guy, um, this guy Nick, gave us a full rundown on um, how to use them properly, how to set them up, how to tram them up. Um, important things that most knife makers wouldn't worry about, but um, if you do, if you do it, you can get a much better finish and more accurate result. So I found that session really helpful. Then we had Bruce Barnett. Yeah. I think hmm? I think most knife makers wouldn't know because. Most knife makers are male, and we don't read fucking instructions. No, no, just put the <laughs> yeah, put the bit in and go for it. Plug it, it in and fuck, plug it in, chuck a fucking bit in there, and go for it. That's what, what I did. Once yeah. you once you've lost about four hundred bucks in broken tooling, it's time to sit down and try and figure out what you're doing wrong. <laughs> one, of, one of my mates come I'll past my on YouTube. I had a mate come past my workshop one day, and he walks in and he goes, "Oh man, you've got a mill. I'd love to know how to use one of those." I went, "Yeah, me too." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, what? No way. Well, I fucking slot guards, mate. I don't use it for anything. I want to know about fucking indexing and all the other bullshit that goes along with it. But, yeah, I mean, I probably learned when I came to that barrel knife thing with you, Corrin. You showed me a few things about milling and um, told me a couple of things that I had no fucking idea about. But yeah, I picked well, them up. Like, oh, fuck, okay. Oh, they're only things I picked yeah. up from fucking around. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, and, and that, so it was good to have somebody who's actually a fitter and machinist give a presentation. So that was yeah. really good. Um, after that, we did um, uh, CAD, CAD and CAM files with uh, Alastair Phillips, and he was going through how to take a drawing or a sketch or a picture of your knife and to make a CAD file out of it so that you can get it water jet cut, um, all your dimensions, get it all right dimensionally, how to get your curves right, um, using different software. And yeah, look, that was that was pretty interesting. It's not something I, I think I'm ever going to be doing myself but from i can definitely see the relevance of it to particularly to people who want to make money making knives because you you know at some point you've got to cut out the bullshit you know what i mean like the you've got to make the um make it economical and sending away and getting your stuff water jet cut makes it economical so you know it just takes away if you've got a yeah if you've got a standard range of knives and you're doing um volume you can't fucking just profile every knife using a worn 50 group belt you'll be there for fucking days yeah yeah well yeah, yeah, exactly so you know it gives you more time to actually make knives so that was really interesting because it's the sort of thing i would normally have farmed out and i think i have enough confidence now to think well shit it's not that hard i could give it a go with the right software so 
I'll um, I'll have a look at it, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not running down that path. But yeah, and then we did folding knives with Bruce Barnett. <coughs> that was a um, really good session. He went through lockbacks and slip joints, and uh, went through all the different tools that he uses to do various things, from relieving the liners through to um, setting all of the stops uh, on on the slip joints. You've done some of that, Kev, over in the states, I believe. Uh, I did liner lock stuff with um, oh, yeah. Bill and Rick Dunkley, right. and um, it was funny because at the at the show, which we'll talk about shortly, um, I sat up I set up next to Bruce, and it was funny because I've never I've never done any other folding knife. So the liner locks, the way we were making them, they, they are pretty fiddly. You use these tiny screws, fucking put them together, pull them apart, and when I was in the US and it was Bruce and I uh, in the workshop, he, he fucking hates liner locks because the slip joint process is a lot more straightforward and I would have thought it the other way around, but you know I got educated on that. So at some point in time, although I was already meant to have gone over, I'm going to head over to WA and um, do a course with um, Bruce because slippies are pretty cool. And I've got a, I've got a couple of, pieces of equipment for like your tolerances and, and open close pieces that I picked up in the States as well. So I want to get them to put to use. I would love to do that too, man. Like because I, I love the, I haven't bought a new knife for years and years, but I'm really contemplating about like buying a slip joint of Bruce Barnett. And I would love to do the course too. Maybe we should hit him up. Well, Yeah, well, there's a couple of guys well, going over next year. I think yeah. maybe we, he might have to have a couple of fucking trips uh, head over to his place. I don't know if he could handle, uh, like, just fucking, like, psychologically. Both um, of us. Uh, uh, well, you and I might be <laughs> all right, but add, add, say, you and me to McVicker and fucking Rumble or something, and then that'd just fucking, <laughs> that'd be fucking funny. Yeah, well, I'm keen as a bean. <laughs> nah, fucking, well. let's do it. <laughs> I'm keen as a bean as well, so, yeah. I got, yeah, speaking of which, talk, I've we'll got, got McVicker and Rumble coming up in January. You're coming too, aren't you, Kev, to make a knife? Yeah, is that going to happen ahead of the Perth show? Yeah, I reckon it should. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I'm I'm good with that, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that'll be fun. Barrel knives. Yeah. Anyway, back to back yeah, to knife camp. So that yeah, was that was camp. what I talk about. Yeah, uh, folding knives with Bruce Barnett, and we did guards and bolsters with uh, Ian Stewart. That was that was brilliant. Uh, really good take on things. He's got his Ian's come a long way in the in the last couple of years. Like he's only been making for a few years. Famously uh, said to Del Rasso that he wants to, um, you know, wants to be making that sort of stuff and doing as well as Del Rasso is. And I think he's beaten Del Rasso now in a knife comp, so he's pretty proud of himself. Um, yeah, Ian's fit. I think I think he's he's a lovely fella, but I think he's fucking um, catch cry of I'm only a new maker. That's that's yeah, it's gone. worn off, hasn't it? Yeah. He won best new maker at Sydney three years ago. Um, time time to move on. Um, and actually, fucking, you know, acknowledge that you're you're out there um, with the best of them, pretty much. He's mm. proven that. Yeah. No, his his stuff's really really yeah. good. But he's oh, he's fitting he's fitting finish is fucking exceptional. So it, his stuff is um, generally, you'd have to say his stuff is super well executed, basic stuff, but super well in- executed. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing yeah. about his th- yeah. his knives that are complicated. They're simple knives. Beautifully executed. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's perfect. I think it's no, it's, it's, 
beautiful next thing simple knives versus the other way like complicated knife done shit he's doing it right that's exactly right every time he's doing it the way we try and encourage people to do just fucking nail down the basics and things will start looking fucking unreal rather than trying to incorporate a million different things in there and have it look fucking you know a bit weird and a bit left undone or whatever yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a lesson for anybody that wants to get into anything really is to, you know, get the basics and the fundamentals right and then go on to the next levels. There are guys out there that have gone on to do, you know, they're, they're just so far ahead. But when it comes to even the very basics, like heat treating 1075, coming back to that, they have trouble. I mean, it just doesn't make, you've got to be careful. You know what I mean? Like you've got to take walk before you can run, I think. And that's not to say yeah, you shouldn't we'll, push yourself. No, that's right. Occasionally, you've got to try and get out of your comfort zone, but there's absolutely nothing wrong in just doing a nice thing consistently. So so, that's nothing more. That was guards yeah. and bolsters with Ian Stewart, and then we did um, forging a integral with um, forging an integral rumble in the jungle. Rumble in the jungle, humble rumble, and uh, he went through how he forges from basically rectangular stock to a, an integral kitchen knife. Um, that was really interesting talk and just the steps and the process and breaking down what to do before what, what to do when, to get it the right order of operations. And um, yep. that was pretty pretty fascinating. And then so if I've spoken about, uh, sorry, I've talked about the, the machining, the CAD folding knives, bolsters and that and then on the second day on the saturday you got to choose two things that you'd spend half a day doing a practical hands-on workshop with that maker so i personally chose um folding knives with bruce barnett and we made cut out profiled and adjusted a slip joint folder uh, including the uh, the liners and the, uh, the spring and the blade um, set all the stops so that you get exactly the right uh, the right position of the spring in in open closed and and um, halfway done. So yeah, I've I've already got mine roughed out. I'm pretty keen to to uh, to go and and finish it off now that I've got sort of the pieces, so to speak. Um, that was really really good, really good session. Uh, Bruce is a good teacher, so definitely worth uh, worth checking that out. Um, there's a few things like flying the uh, flying with mine that's not real good because i grabbed the just went up to the drill press in the grinding room at uh, at thawa and drilled my hole but it's so far out of square it's not funny so i've got to ream it and fuck around now to yeah. fix it up yeah. for the for the pivot but anyway look whatever that the, the, the gear at the gear at thawa everything you go to has been so hard so, so thoroughly thrashed you know that's um it's it's all well used there, isn't it? Yeah, that comes from that's what happens with teaching. Yeah, I've got a couple of bits of gear in my workshop that are mine, so I don't generally let the students use it, and it's for that same reason. Fucking go flog the fucking uh, the forty-eight inch grinder, flog the shit out of it. I'll buy another one. Write it off on me fucking tax, but don't touch my fucking uh, wall down drill. <laughs> don't touch my fucking. Uh, buffer, don't touch my fucking mill. <laughs> yeah. So then they're all things that. You... Yeah, and then in the afternoon, I, I jumped on with um, 
Ian Stewart and fitted a one a slotted guard to a hunting knife, a Loveless style, and basically fitted a. I mean, it's just perfect. The way that his method um, is just really, really good, clean, easy. Was able to fit a um, fit a guard to one of his blades without any gaps or any anything. I mean, it was just the the transition between the guard and the um, uh, you know the finger groove at the back of the guard was just yeah. you couldn't see it. You couldn't. There was no line. I mean, you just couldn't see it. There's nothing there. That's how close. And it was just using his methods. Um, but I did it myself, so yeah, I was pretty, um, pretty, pretty, pretty stoked to be honest with that with that result. So um, going to yeah, be nice. having to go at that in the future as well. Yeah, I was spewing because I'm local to that event, but with the fucking slattery curse this fucking year with shit going wrong and bad news happening, um, I just fucking I couldn't make it. I wish I could have, but. Um, Ian's was one of the ones I wanted to check out with his fit and finish on that. Um, there's an opportunity, obviously, uh, in March at the symposium that the KAA are running. He's doing a similar session. Won't be hands-on, but you'll get to see it. But I, I spoke to Ian at the night show, um, and I, I'll have to go down and have a visit down at his place. And when, when the fucking bushfire season um, slows down a little bit, and he's got a bit of time. I'm going to head down and get some tips off him because, you know, he's proven himself time and time again to just be at the top of the game on that. So the fit and finish side, if, like I said, if you want to improve your knife making, you've got to look to those people that are doing the stuff that you want to fucking get better at and you've got to talk to them or see them or do it with them. Yeah, oh, it makes yeah, a that sounds good. And that was the good thing about the Guild. The other thing is we, we had the political discussion where we basically sat down and discussed um you know the future of the guild as a organization and what we thought the guild should be uh and that, so that discussion was just had a, informally just over a few drinks after dinner on um on friday night and you know we talked about cnc machining and we talked about uh um you know the current process of going from probation member to full member when we discussed uh you know the the way that the guilds basically run and the events, which basic the guild only has two events: one's knife camp and the other's the Melbourne Knife Show. So, yeah, we had a good chat about all of those things and and um, just just basically get to give the uh, committee some direction on which ways they want to go um, in the future to to basically make the guild more relevant to knife making in Australia and more relevant to its members and to be the best that the guild can be. So. And I thought the camp summed it up pretty yeah. well. Incorporating CNC stuff in there was a big, you know. I mean, I, I bet you there was people in the audience, myself included, that that learned that CNC isn't just about pushing a button and a knife gets spat out the other end. I mean, there's there's so much involved that um, I find it, uh, yeah, I find it a, a bit fascinating that some people don't think it's it's knife making. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure people said the same thing for the belt grinders when they came out. You know, when they became more accessible years ago. Yeah. Well, that's so, what. As I said, I, I was talking yeah, to Alistair yeah. Phillips about the. As you said, I was talking to Alistair Phillips about the uh, basics of the CNC. It's nowhere near like, yeah, make a knife, press the button. Like you have to program it. You have to tell what how you want it to be ground. So if you don't understand the basics, there's no way you can tell a machine to do it. 
No, absolutely. So not. same thing with Autojet. If you're making no, if you're making stock removal knives, you're going to go. You're going to have to go to Autojetting at some point to be consistent, also to cheap. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So if you go on Instagram, go on Instagram and have a look at Aaron Goff, and go back into his recent past, like in the last eighteen months or so, and he's doing um, production using CNC, and the fucking lessons that that guy goes through and the shit that he has to go through to get where he's at now we like one model of knife the water jet stuff we'll get a fucking special guest on here at some stage um robert herbert we'll try and get him on um and robert's pretty much now um like a fucking uh production manufacturer for several companies around the world of some of his cool designs um and he can't fucking sit there with a 50 grit fucking belt profile hundreds of knives and get them out. So you've no. got to adapt into it. It's the depth that it adapts into it. And, um, you know, there's, a, there's been, you know, without going too far into the controversy, there's been stuff with the Guild where machining of stuff was, you know, I guess for want of a better term, rejected. But that wasn't the one person doing it. That was outsourcing of, you know, yeah. more than just getting it. More than just getting a water jetter to cut it and then you doing all the rest of the work. That was, like, most stages were not that person's work and then they wanted to put them in there. So that's different, in my view. What about outsourcing yeah. heat treatment? I'm sure there are guys who outsource... No problem with that. Heat. No problem with that, to be honest with you. No problem with that at all. If you don't have a kiln and you don't have a forge to do it and you want it done right, send it out to get heat treated. But you're grinding the blades and getting that finish done and then you're getting it back and putting all your handles and shit on there. Um, yeah, that's yeah. You know, if you want people to have the best of what they can have, no problem with heat treating. The general outcome of the discussion that we had was that you should be in control of as many of your processes as possible, and you must be fully honest and transparent and disclose what you're not doing. Right now, if yeah. I'm going out to buy a knife and and it's custom made in all respects except for heat treating, will I as a customer see that as a negative? Well, not necessarily because it could be a positive or a negative. But if a knife has been professionally heat treated by a professional, it's certainly the heart of the knife is in the heat treat. So you've got a certain, you've got a, um, you know, a good feeling or a, uh, some security knowing that the, the heat treat's perfect. If the heat treat's perfect and the steel is right, well, then away you go. I'd, I'd much rather buy a knife off someone they said, I outsourced the heat treating to this company than telling me I used RWL34 and heat treated it in my kiln, yeah. uh, in my forge. Yeah. Forge, yeah. propane forge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Glenn Waters, he gets his heat treatment outsourced, and I will I will love to have one of his knives. Not that I can afford it, but... Yeah. Del, Del I say sell the fucking, sell the kidney. Yeah. Yeah. Del Rasso outsources yeah. the heat treatment. It's one process he does. I don't know if he uh, he doesn't feel comfortable or whatever, but he knows it's done right, so he outsources it. Fair enough. If that's if that's what, yeah. as long as you honestly disclose it, what's the? There's no problem there, right? So that was the outcome of that that discussion, and it was interesting to to someone put me onto the Mark of the Maker podcast, and I was listening to that on the way into work, episode two at about twenty five minutes. If you listen to that, and the guys talking about how the guild fell apart in the late nineties because of um, people getting stuff CNC'd or water jetted or laser cut 
and uh, and there was just so much argument about what then constituted handmade. And it's like, well, you can't have any con- computer control processes. Well, my kiln's got a computer control heat heat yeah. control, so <laughs> I've got it. Can't do it in yeah. a kiln. So you know what I mean? Like, where do you draw the line? And so I think it's I think you don't bother drawing the line. You simply say. You've got to be honest about how each process was conducted and who did it. And majority of it should be your own work or else you're really not the maker, right? Yeah. So there you go. I see a similar flow, uh, flow in the ABS as well. So you cannot do any stainless steel. There are guys who forge stainless integrals. There are guys who make stainless Damascus, like Will Bryan. He goes under the, on the artificiary. He makes stainless steel feather integral with the keyhole but that knife you cannot present because it's not it's, it's not carbon what the fuck that's just stupid and i don't want to see the guild get to that level of dumbness you know if you make knives by in any of the forms i would like to see and my vote would be that that um you'd be accepted in the guild not necessarily for joining for membership for membership i think your knives should remain handmade you should be able to demonstrate you have the basic skills to um to make knives you have to have that to start with but from then on yeah we shouldn't punish people for being successful and being able to progress to the next level doesn't make sense so, yeah that's my take on it and the canberra yeah. show i had to so, go home before the canberra show but my boys tell me it was it was flat out and uh my truck didn't uh my systems in the in the new truck didn't keep up so we need a new computery thing or something anyway i don't know yeah right the bottom of that oh yeah that was yeah the show was really good um unfortunately you know being an outdoor show we're always at the mercy of the weather and it was a cool day um with lots and lots of wind and canberra like every other place around it at the moment we're heavily in drought um so i had my wife with me ro comes out that's the only show that she comes out to and, and gives me a hand, which is awesome because, um, you know, to be a part of that. But her her main duty of the day was to wipe the dust off my knives about every 42 seconds. It's like painting the Harbour Bridge. You have to once finish one, painting one end, go back and start the other end. So weather-wise, um, you know, when you've got a day like that, you always hope that we're going to draw the numbers. And there was a pretty good crowd out there. Like, it, it was... It's a five-hour show, and it's from 10 till 3, one day of the year. So we've got a small window, and, uh, you know, we got the numbers out there. People were coming through. Um, I don't know who was on the coffee machine out there, but they did a superb job. The coffee was brilliant. They enjoyed the cooler weather because I think when my wife went over for the second cup for us, um, they were absolutely flat scrapper. Um, There was, I don't know, 20 makers maybe out there could didn't count um, a lot of new faces a lot of the guys that were at knife camp stuck around and uh, put their stuff out to to you know to sell to be on show um, I think everyone everyone made at least one sale out of everyone that was there which is nice especially with those guys where they're you know virgins they get to pop the cherry with a sale which is good and uh, you know got to Introduced my wife to Big Bad to Bruce Barnett, so at least one of the American travellers know that I'm actually well married. Although I did say, um, in a joking sense, that I probably could have gone out to the local knock shop area and 
um, paid her to come out and say she was my wife. But <laughs> and as someone said, well, I could. As someone said to me, well, you couldn't afford someone that looks that good looking. So um, that was a credit to her. <laughs> Knife makers, hey, we're we're all couth. Um, I got a chance to catch up with um, my mate Luke Kelly from Raw Forge. He's, he lives out sort of um, out past Captain's Flat, that where that bushfire sort of area is. And he's been busy as all shit. He's got a young family now, and but it's great to see him out there with his knives. And he did he did pretty well with his sales, which is nice. Um, I had a few former students show up and have a chat. It's always good to have those guys there as a marketing tool, because when I'm talking about my knife making classes, um, I could just say, "Oh, if this fella here did it. What did what did you reckon of the course?" And you know, get their feedback on the day. Um, they had a group of people there doing some. Um, reenactment stuff, but I didn't get a chance to get over and see what they were up to. But there was some some fella walking around playing bagpipes, which was interesting. Um, but no, overall, um, yeah, like I said, nice day, nice nice location for it. Uh, would have been nice to be a little bit warmer, but you get that. That's what nature is. But I enjoyed it. Had a good show. Already looking forward to uh, next year. I'll get me shit together. Hopefully. Uh, and get to knife camp before it next year. That'd be good. Now with knife camp, mate, we had, um, or at that at the knife camp, we had some guys go for probationary membership. So you say, uh, sorry, Cole and who else was it? Cole, Cole and Joe. Cole, Cole and Joe got their probationary membership, and also Brad Heathcote, um, Beer Rat as we call him, and also um, Sausage Man Jamie Bishop. He got. Uh, passed his probationary membership too. So there's four new uh, upcoming members of the guild. There was another guy oh, from know. up Byron Bayway as well, but uh, forget his oh, name. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't sort of get much of a chance to talk to too many people. Um, you know, knife shows, especially when you've got five hours, um, not the easiest place to socialise around. But no, good event. Enjoyed it. Yeah, I think the, I'm on and up. I'm on and upward to the next one now. And the fishing was good too. So I caught a yeah. Big, so you you caught a carp, eh? Yeah, big carp. Yeah, on light gear. It was good fun. So me and Jackson, and then the next day it was me, Christian Jackson, and uh, Adam Fromholtz, a whole bunch of people. But we didn't do any good. I think only because we just stood there talking the whole time, and we weren't particularly paying attention to be quiet or anything like that. So we probably spooked them all off. Well. I heard about a fucking certain Norwegian fella that decided that he'd try and skip over some rocks in the river and landed fucking ass up. I, I heard about. I got a random, I got a random message from Bjorn. Uh, I'm at this shopping centre with Aldi. Do you know where? Hypothetically speaking, if I fell in the river and wet my shoes, is there some place I could buy some thongs? <laughs> so you like, say, oh, pick, yeah. picks, picks or I'm not telling you. Yeah, hypothetically, if you fell in the river, that would be fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bjorn was there. Bjorn's a good guy. And, um, you know, they, they, that, that, they're they store creative man. They were there as well. So he's, um, yeah, he's a good guy. And he's got some good products there, particularly his file guides are, uh, are pretty good, even if he and Stuart yeah. doesn't think so. <laughs> don't worry ooh, joke, ooh, joke, joke from the weekend don't worry it's a joke that's ooh, entirely no, a joke no, from the weekend no, no. Phil edit out the joke bit we're going controversial 
Yeah, yeah, yeah I think I put my foot in it again there. The only I? fucking controversy yeah. with that was um, when I went over to their table and they obviously fucking saw me coming and someone was looking at the file guides. And Riley, who's just a bastard, Riley goes, Oh, yeah, we've got two models. We've got the Big Mert. Oh, and the little Kev. Oh, here's Kev here. And I'm like, Fuck off. <laughs> the Big Mert and the little Kev. <laughs> little Kev. <laughs> I got a Big Mert. I got a big Mert, and I was sending photos of it to Mert uh, with it down on my legs. I'm going, there's nothing like having a big Mert between your thighs. I'm grossing him out. Dirty bastards. Clamped around, I, clamped I, around I, your I knob. Started, having a big Mert yeah. clamped around your knob. Uh, no, nah, I only need a little kid for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I had it sitting next to a wine glass and, and a beer, and I, I took a photo and put it on my Instagram going, oh, having a, having a drink with the big Mert. And everyone's coming back going, oh, is Mert staying down at your place? I'm like, nah, you fuckheads. <laughs> oh, God. Fuck. I, I don't have to explain everything, do I? <laughs> Clearly you do. Clearly you do. I do, I do, I do. Yeah, so I guess in terms of shows, our next show now coming up in Australia is Perth, first week in February. I, I screwed up there and uh, booked a class and and now can't make it over, which is a bit of a shame. Um, next year, always say next year. And then uh, after that, what do we got? We got the symposium, and then we've got uh, Queensland, the Guild Show, and then for those heading overseas, Blade Show, and then the whole cycle begins again. Yeah, a lot of stuff on. Yeah, Perth's a big next good. big one for me. I've got to. Yeah, first weekend in February, I think, and um, yeah, that's a it's a big one to get ready for because we've got to take three pallets of three or four pallets of stuff over there and trying to come back with nothing. That's that's the aim. Yeah, well, you're giving some good deals to people for like pre-purchase a kiln. That's the way to go. Pre-sale, yeah. yeah, pre-sale a kiln, have it on there for a demo, um, and then and then you know don't have to bring it back. And so it, the prices have seen. Any orders for show pickup? Go. Any orders for show pickup are um, free freight. We just put them on the pallets and send them over as well. So, you know, it's worth people's while to uh, sketch out what they want um, by sort of mid-January or before. Get it to the guys here, and we'll bring it over free of charge. Well, not free of free of charge, but without freight. So, yeah. yeah. Keep your eye on the Gamaco um, Facebook page for the cutoff times. Yeah. I'd been a smart ass the other day, but the boys didn't quite get it because the camera cutoff had occurred. And then I wrote, Oh, have I missed the cutoff? And just expecting to be told off. And they were like, Oh, if you get your order in quick, we can. And I was like, No, no, just take them with these fellas. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, wrong time to do it. I know, two days out from the show. Fucking hell. Kev's humor is not appreciated everywhere. I get it. I'm hearing you. I have to get, yeah, get locked, in the, locked in the back room at home for the same fucking reason. If your computer skills are grey and lacklustre, much like Mert Tansu's, then maybe you should opt for pewter grey Kydex and stick to making something that doesn't require a lot of technical aptitude. Pewter grey Kydex on sale at Gamaco now. Use the code KNIFEMAKING10 or whatever it is. We'll tell you. Goodbye. Um, so what are you working on anything interesting, Mert? Oh, actually, speaking of fucking Mert uh, and interesting, 
Yeah, look at the look he's giving me. He doesn't fucking know what's going on. He's just thinking, is this another fuck off Kev moment? No, it's not. How good was that um, Chef Livingood's bloody uh, clip of using your Damastil, mate? Yeah, he, he said that he was at, uh, at family's house using the house knives and all the doll shit. And he got back and he, he was using one of my knives and he was happy. It was good. It was a cool video. Yeah, it was actually. Who's that? Good to see you. What's his name? Uh, Colter Livingood. He was the guy who pretty much helped them to create the Damasteel Invitational Chef Show. Because so Damasteel, although they were quite popular among the fixed, uh, among the folder makers, and they weren't much in the kitchen scene until a few years ago. So Colter approached them saying, hey, I think you guys should approach more to kitchen knife makers and all that. So, And I made the knife for him. Uh, last year or maybe a little bit a little bit earlier i don't exactly remember but yeah so he posted a few videos of himself using that uh, of that knife how do you spell and his he name was very... chef l i l e e n g o o d chef living good all oh, right gotcha uh, he does a lot of interesting yeah, last year I met the I met this maker in person, Tom Ward. No, no, I can't find L- him. L I V E. So chef, as in chef. Yeah. Living good, got it. Chef yeah. Coulter. Oh, it's Coulter with a K. Oh. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. I see him holding a knife there. Right, eh? We'll have a look at that. Watch his react. Watch his reaction when he fucking cuts with it. He's funny. Yeah, I'll send you the link, Corey. Send me I'll link. send you. Yeah. I'm going back. I was talking it. about meeting a guy in um, Blade Show last year, Tom Ward. He goes on Instagram under the name Tempest Craft. So he's also into swords and things like that as well. He he posted a video, which I found very cool. He was twisting a Damascus, a pattern welded steel. So most of the guys, most of the guys have a like these big rolling mills they have a, a attachment that does the rolling as well but if you don't have that if you don't have that twisting attachment so what he did was uh, he had a little he had a little table set up and on that table he had a tiny tiny forge like almost like a slightly bigger than a coffee can forge and he he got the forge in the temperature and when he wanted to do this twist he set a jig having one end of the jig behind the forge and the other one in front of it so he was pretty much twisting the steel while the steel was still in the forge and still hot. So he was saying he could forge a, he could twist a massive bar in like in like five minutes or so. I found it very cool. Yeah, I'll, that is cool. Yeah, Tempest Craft. Hey, I'll look him up. Tom Ward. Tom Ward, yeah. Oh, he's an ABS journeyman smith as well. Yes, he had a beautiful dagger. I think he won the best of the rest award last year. Yeah, right. Yeah. Very talented maker, and he's 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 been to Turkey a few times. Actually, we talked about the Middle Eastern swords and all that. So very nice guy, and he also does some incredible swords and artistic yeah. stuff. I'm just Give watching him, him just watching him dissect a watermelon with a like a massive sword. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> he's taking that's, that's a... taking tiny slices off. Yeah, pretty nice. Um, in terms of the twisters, looking at the nice. Twisting tools, um, Veronique that makes the awesome daggers, Veronique Laurent, 
Um, if you see her on Facebook, I think it is, she's just got a she got a little manual set up going, and you know, creates this fucking awesome twist stuff as well with very little effort. So um, you don't it doesn't have to be complex or complicated to to get these cool things out. And yeah, it's inspiring. I just fucking never find the time. And when I think about it, I just get distracted with other stuff. Like, oh, look at that butterfly over there. Fucking, there you go. There goes my time to make a twisting attachment. That's uh, <laughs> just fucking like that sometimes. Speaking of swords, I had the, I had one of the, I remembered one of the funniest comments I had at the show. So I had this pattern well, the Damascus knife, and the guy comes on, comes into my table. Hey, is this Valerian steel? Like, no. <laughs> first of all, it's not Valerian steel, okay? It's pattern welded steel, and you're not one of the Lannisters, all right? <laughs> I think you look. I think you look like eats. Tyrion Lannister, but you're not quite there. Uh, you look like fuckface Lannister, but harsh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think like movies, movies. A lot of people are learning or. Seeing stuff in the movies about what swordsmithing, what knife making or bladesmithing is, and they get these random ideas and they see like what's been depicted in the movies, it's awful shit, nowhere near being correct. And they get these ideas and then they get stuck with it. How many times I've seen in the movies, there's like this blacksmithing scene or sword making scene, the guy. He hammers the sword and hammers it and quenches it and takes it out, hammers it again, gives it straight to the guy, yeah, your sword is ready. Yeah. I, I can't, so the, I can't. The, the grinding, the polishing, the sharpening and everything just miraculously happens as they draw it out of the fucking pool of water. You're like, fuck me, I want, I want that dude's hammer. Yeah, that's, that's how I do it. That's what's coming out of his workshop. That's how yeah. I do it. Oh, yeah. I have seen that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that. talking about like there are some guys who are savants who will say oh this pommel and this sword doesn't fit because this is being depicted in the 16 no, I'm not going into that length you know I'm not after like super historical accuracy but don't just be like quenching shit and taking out hammering again and like yeah that's that's a knife or like you saw in the what was in the Game of Thrones they were casting a steel yeah. <laughs> they were melting it and casting it. And same thing yeah. with the game. Same thing with Lord of the Rings. I think like they were melting it. Sword was breaking and and people see this shit and all of a sudden, ah, oh, this is how it must be done. And they're telling you, hey, can you melt the sword for me? No, no, I can't melt your sword. No, you don't want that. I yeah, think that was a similar thing. thing right back with the fucking original Conan the Barbarian. Was it? it was, yeah, I think so. Oh, I'd have to go. I might have to go and watch it research purposes. I think I'll watch that today. That's uh put it down to a study break um <laughs> uh, I, similar thing um similar thing i was listening to an audio book or series in this audio books and one of the series um the, the the main character in it um learns to do knife fighting through this you know fella carly sort of knife fighting stuff but then the like the author of the book was obviously trying to describe a tanto like it was in a post-apocalyptic environment and this person the main character had got this tanto from a museum so it was like a 1600s like proper japanese but he was trying to describe like the hamon and everything else and it was just so fucking wrong that as a knife maker you're just sort of like oh man this dude he's an author he doesn't know shit but if you were a general member of the public and you took 
what they were saying as law or as you know verbatim, you'd sound like an absolute fucking idiot going and talking to someone about um, you know the why those lines are on the wispy lines are on the blade and stuff. But yeah, it's kind of funny. What's the most stupid shit blacksmithing or knife making or sword making scene that you saw on a TV or in a movie? Oh, the, probably the one on just Lord of the Rings where they're making oh, the orcs. I, I, I can't really remember. I'm hopeless with remembering movies. Yeah, mine's the Lord of the Rings one where they just pour the swords into the moulds and that's, you know what I mean? Like, they cast them. Remember that when they're making the orc swords in probably, I don't know, one of the one of the one of the Lord of the Rings ones. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was mine. Yeah, I was Lord, watching Lord. Vikings not long ago, and something happened. I think the blacksmith made something and angered the king. The guys, the the king's guy, come in and they just sm- they take the blacksmith and he, they put his face on the charcoal. They they burn him. They kill him. Like mate. The, he's your local Bunnings. He's your plumber. He's your <laughs> He doesn't have an apprentice. You just fucking killed him because you got mad at him. You're fucked. Yeah, the, I think I think learning these things from the movies and thinking they're the fact is like is a guy watching a porn movie and thinking how live it is. You know, like it has to be. It has to happen just like that in order. It's not, and it will ruin your imagination. It will ruin your understanding. So I can't even look at the two girls sharing ice cream now. I'm thinking, what the shit they eating now? Karen, <laughs> 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 he's missed that. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry, Karen. I, I, I got missed it. my two girls and a two girls and a cup reference, so it's just, okay. Just can't believe yeah. you. Um, just can't believe you did uh, that. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, that was a that, that was a disgusting. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Literally, maybe it's all nice and shit. <laughs> I think it's, it's a, all right. I think I'm glitching out here with the audio. As anyway. I was uh, told at the Canberra Night Show when people were coming up saying how they recognised me through my... The people at the Canberra Night Show coming up saying, oh, I, re- I recognise you from your voice from the podcast. And then a couple of other guys, oh, yeah, how about you try and keep it a little bit family-friendly and <laughs> with the swearing? And I'm like... Nah, not going to happen, brother. <laughs> and my wife's sitting there looking at him going, uh, no, I'm pretty sure that when he's recording the podcast, his language is getting toned down a lot as it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it goes out with a little warning, folks. Don't fucking... I'm thinking, like, shall I just, like, every now and then me and Kevin are having a conversation and messenger or Instagram messages, and <laughs> we laugh. We laugh our asses off, and I'm thinking... Maybe I should share this. It's funny. Then I'm thinking like, no, 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 no. They're not. They're not for public eyes, mate. No way. <laughs> yeah, I think we'd we'd get um, chased off the internet with some of the conversations we have, or maybe we'd find that we get a, a massive extra following. I don't know. There's got to be more people in the world like us. Or, or banned from the Instagram or other all social medias for good, one or the oh, other. Yeah, absolutely. We'd have to start our own platform, Pornhub. I've got an idea for a social media platform. Yes, banking is love. It's all good. All good. You've got an idea for one? Yeah, fuck yeah. Oh, I, 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 it's a fucking great idea. 
I, I don't think I have the oh, nouts right. to set it up, but it's a good idea. I just need someone to get it to get it over the line for me. It'll fucking yeah. smash TikTok, man. I'm telling you. It's like TikTok for adults. Oh, fucking TikTok. No, actually, it's not like TikTok at all. I'm sorry. It's just... TikTok is just... I know I know. there's a few of these big influencers out there raving about how TikTok's the new thing and the latest thing, but seriously, it's shit. It's kiddies, oh, mate. I fucking hate it. And it's it. inappropriate stuff for kids. I That's see all stuff it on is. TikTok. But... Yeah. So I'm over I'm, I'm I not have to it. agree with you on that. I'm not into it. All right, boys. Um, is there anything else we want to cover? No, not really. I've just got a you know usual stuff in the pipeline. I've got a few knives on the go, so hopefully, you know, follow my Instagram at Kev's Forge and see what we're up to. Same with Mert at Tansu Knives, um, and also at Hunter Valley Blades. At Hunter Valley Blades, and at, what is what's yours at Gamico? Nirok at Gamico. Nirok at Gamico. It's my name backwards at Gamico. It is what it is. I think we're just losing Corin. No, it's the. I think the phone data's. I think I've run out of phone data. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> now you're getting charged eight bucks a megabyte. <laughs> quite, Let's keep him talking. <laughs> quite possibly. All right, boys. Thanks yeah. very much. All and right. Righto. We'll Thanks catch up. Listening. Take care. Oh, we need a T-shirt yeah. still. Has anyone got a T-shirt still? Uh, we've, no one's come up with any designs. No. Come on, guys. Get in there. Spend five minutes. Give, put in a contribution. And if uh, you give us, a, give us a question... Um, it doesn't make us warm and funny, fuzzy. It just gives us something to talk about, um, you know. But hey, how about this? If you give us a question, I'll send you a Gamaco shirt. So include include your oh. shirt, and we use it. If it's a question that we use, and you include your shirt size, uh, I will uh, I'll throw in a shirt posted to you. That's a fucking deal and a half there. So give us some fucking questions, you lazy pricks. <laughs> Start asking questions, you fuckers. <laughs> and by the by the pewter kydex. Oh, pewter kydex. <laughs> Didn't I it's, fuck it's, up there? It's the, best, it's the best kydex in the market. It's tremendous. <laughs> oh, All right. On that note, see I'm you, out of here. See you, boys. Bye. <laughs> see you see later, you guys. Trump. See you, Trumpster. <laughs>